Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. told I went really long last week in their last service and they have the timer up there but I'm, I'm doing my timer here because can't be going too long in church I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk to Twyla she said I can go as long as I want we um we like to, to speak in sort of collection of messages around here so we'll we'll go through a book of the Bible um we'll do topical messages we'll do exegetical messages sometimes we'll do like a bibliography, like a, a biographical message, so we'll go through the life of somebody, and um, I, I had intended on going through uh, some portions of the book of Jeremiah, and um, the the first verse that I had planned on preaching out of in Jeremiah, I just, I just couldn't help but like jumping off out of Jeremiah, so I'm going to read the verse to kind of give you context for why I'm not in Jeremiah, um, because I just think it, it just spoke so clearly to where we are um, not just our church, but like just church in general. And um, I want to um, also, Stacy, thanks for playing. That, that was, I felt like I just sounded better with the piano behind me. And uh, you could just kept doing that. Um, I, our worship team is fantastic. I want to just make an invitation. If you, uh, if you are musical and you're like, I just wonder if they have room for me to play my guitar. Yes, we do. Um, Clark said he's, he's getting ready to do a, a big push for, uh, to get more people involved for uh, this fall. And so I just want to say if you're a singer, if you're a musician, uh, or, or any, uh, we got, we got any of the production stuff in the back, we want you involved, and there's room for you. There's room at the cross for you. Like, there's room. <clears throat> so here we go. So I was supposed to be preaching out of Jeremiah, and this is the passage. I read it, and I just, I jumped completely out of the book of Jeremiah because I just think this is, it just struck something in me that triggered something else. Anybody ever, anybody else ADD like that? You're just, you, you, you so here's, here's what's going on. Um, Jeremiah is, um, in fact, one of my mentors told me not to preach out of Jeremiah. He's, he, he told me about six times over the last year that he knew I was planning the series. And he's like, anytime you preach out of Jeremiah, you're mad at somebody. Don't preach out of Jeremiah. And so um, uh, I'm still going to, okay. So <clears throat> Jeremiah is called the crying prophet, the weeping prophet, the complaining prophet. He's basically um, calling the people of God back to God during the middle of a cultural and political crisis. Their, their world is crumbling around them, and he's saying, your problem is not political, your problem is not cultural, your problem is you need your heart for God back. And, uh, and here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter uh, 2, verse 13. He says, uh, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, they, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked 
cisterns that can hold no water at all. And Jeremiah's complaint that he's bringing to the people of God is that they've abandoned God who is the fountain of living water. And instead, they have gone and, and, and tried to resource themselves with cracked cisterns. And I, I, just, I just felt like, I'm not going to be in Jeremiah, because I just feel like that, that message is a message for the American church today. And, and, and it's, it's a really simple message. And, and it's this, is we have, we have adopted so much stuff that's outside of the kingdom of God. And we have dug for ourselves cisterns that are leaking water. They're, they're these pools that we have created of wisdom and intellectualism. And God has called us to be people marked by a living Water. And so today, I, I'm just jumping completely out of Jeremiah, which all of my homiletics professors would say, don't do that, but I'm doing it. And uh, I, I want to talk today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So um, for, as soon as I said that, half of the room over here, you guys were like, let's go. I heard, I heard that voice. And I heard, I'm sure people over here that were like, ah, uh, what, what are we doing? Uh, somebody's like, yes, I've been waiting for it. And somebody else is like, it's about to get weird. Like, Okay, let me start this subject this way. This is the easiest way to begin a, a conversation uh, on, and you can know, just so you, if you come around here long enough, you know that if I have this thing out, I'm going to be a little more teachy, a little more talky. And uh, so uh, here's the deal. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is not weird. Uh, you heard about some w church where everybody was going crazy and the Holy Spirit weird. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that was weird. It was the people. The people were very weird, okay? I, I grew up in that church where the people were very weird, okay? But here's the deal. Even though uh, some, some of you, for you, you, you may, not, um, may not have an experience with the Holy Spirit. And some of you, it was awkward. The truth is the Holy Spirit is still available and applicable to you today. It's, it's still available to you. You see, the, the church in the American church, we get the sense that the church is declining, that the church is recessing, that the church is withdrawing numerically and in strength. And here's the deal. In America, the church is slowing down in some areas, but globally, the church is blowing up. Globally, the church is running 2.2 billion people. It's rapidly advancing and the global church is doing is embracing something that the american church tends to be skeptical towards the global church is embracing the power of the holy spirit active in the believer's life it doesn't matter what denomination you're from. you may be from a denomination i had somebody talk to me after first service they said you know i, I was raised in a church that taught against uh, speaking in tongues and and that's I hear you, I understand that, but understand this, even in the churches that teach against it, uh, globally, their churches speak in tongues. Come on. Yeah. Like that's, there's been huge conventions uh, of church denominations in America, that's their big struggle right now, is they're trying to figure out how do we maintain a theology that our people globally don't keep? Because globally, that is the marker of, of the church, is a vibrant, active uh, experience with God, not just a knowledge of God, all right? So today I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to try to help you with this because for me, honestly, um, I, I think what is the one thing that has helped me the most in my walk with God? And it was not 
memorizing the books of the Bible, which I can give you right now. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I can do that. But it wasn't memorizing something. It wasn't um, some sort of secret knowledge that I had learned that, that has made my walk with God feel vibrant. What has really given me a grounded strength in my walk with God is receiving and experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Um, and and when, I, when I say, just for someone that may be skeptical, when, when I say the global church experiences this, understand that um, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Archbishop of Canterbury, I've, I've got a quote from him, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby says this, that speaking in tongues is a significant part of my life, uh, or he says, a significant part of my life is that I pray in tongues every day. It is the place I find my source of power. The Bishop of Durham, his name is N.T. Wright, one of the most prolific theologians of our current day. Uh, although you would see him in a robe, in his vestige while he is speaking, he, he is a person that believes in the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When he first took on his new, a new assignment, um, he, he felt overwhelmed and didn't know how he was going to have this, the capacity. He had all the education he needed to be able to fulfill the role. He didn't know how he would have the capacity to fulfill the role. And he talked to, in his own words, he had a, a charismatic uh, niece, I believe it was, or a charismatic cousin that said, hey, um, I, I want you to... Uh, if, you, if you're looking for more power in your walk with God, it, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, the Bishop of Durham received this experience with God and found that he, he gained strength, even in times when, um, when he didn't have the right answers, he had a direct connection to God, a unique power. So I understand. Somebody first service said, you felt like you were a little awkward up there. Uh, I felt uncomfortable. I wasn't uncomfortable at all. Just, like, ask me how uncomfortable. I'm none uncomfortable, okay? <laughs> I just know, I just know that there are people in the room that agree with me, and then there's people that disagree with me on both sides. And so I'm trying to have a conversation. Is that all right? Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Enneagram 8, so don't call me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> um Here's, <laughs> Twilight, you can get it. All right, here we go. <clears throat> this has been the most transformational thing in my walk with God. Absolutely. Uh, here's, and, and I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit starting in Luke chapter 3. Now, all the, all the Gospels record this, this passage I'm going to do. I'm just reading from one of them. This is Luke chapter 3, verse six, 16. John answered them saying, uh, I baptize you with water. So we're talking about John the Baptist who was baptizing people just north of the Dead Sea on the southern end of the, the Jordan River. He's baptizing people into a baptism of repentance, turning away from your dead works and turning towards God. He says, I, 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 I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, talking about Jesus, the strap of whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. Isn't that such an incredible description of somebody's uh, role in your life? Like, I can't even tie his shoes. He's saying, like, I, like I'm, he, I, couldn't, I couldn't even be his servant. And he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we're not going into the whole fire piece now because the fire piece is not 
it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fire piece is the cleansing power of God. In the passages where this fire piece is connected, it contextually includes throwing the roots and branches that don't grow into a fire to quench them. So it's saying that he will baptize you with the power of his spirit, and he will also cleanse your life. Okay, that's what he's talking about. But he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What happens is, the, the book of John goes, or the, 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 Jesus moves on through the scripture. He, he goes to a cross and dies and pays the price for you and I to be able to be made right with God. Anybody thankful that you are not made right with God by any spiritual experience, by any sort of hoop you've jumped through? None of that. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus, he, after dying, he, he resurrects. Anybody believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Like this is foundational for the Christian faith. If, if you don't believe, I'm not saying not raising your hand means you don't believe, but if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, like there's no point in believing in Jesus. And so we, we believe that he was resurrected. And when he was resurrected, he began conversations with his disciples. In fact, it's recorded that he had, had seen about 500 people after he had been resurrected. This is one of the most powerful proofs of Scripture, is that there were so many people who not only said, yes, I saw him alive after he died, but I'm willing to die and not, I'm, I'm not going to retract my statement. I'm willing to die for that statement. Because if I was telling a joke on the world, I wouldn't die for it. And he, resurre- he comes back, and as he's back, he begins having conversations with the disciples. In John chapter 22, he tells the disciples this. He says, John chapter 20, verse 22, uh, he says, And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus blows on his disciples says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible goes into this portion about there's a guy named Doubting Thomas that doesn't know him. It goes into all that. But there's this moment where, where he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that when you are saved, the Holy Spirit is in your life. It's not people with the, the Holy Spirit and people without the Holy Spirit. That's not a thing. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved without the action of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't even turn towards God without the action of the Holy Spirit drawing you towards God. But Jesus says this. He says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and he blows on them. And then he, um, he, he's with them for about 40 days, and then he, he ascends into heaven. And... When he is getting ready to ascend, here's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And while staying there, or staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John baptized with water. So he's going back and he's quoting John. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it was at this point that one of the disciples raised his hand and said, Jesus, you're theologically inaccurate. You blew on us earlier and said we had the Holy Spirit. So what do you mean now we're getting the Holy Spirit? Jesus said what he means, and he means what he said. There is this this experience. They didn't question him. They didn't say, you've 
got it wrong, you've missed the mark, uh, it's just you blowing on us and me accepting you, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you've already got saving faith, you're already there, you're going to receive an experience in this. There's going to be this baptism of, of the Holy Spirit in your lives. This isn't going to happen not many days from now. Jesus ascends to heaven, and these people he has told to wait for him go to Jerusalem. They're waiting for him in Jerusalem. They're waiting for what, he, what Jesus called the promise of the Father, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens. It's in your Bible, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, the Pentecost uh, you may have heard the word Pentecostal, like that's a denomination. Just like there's a Baptist because they, John the Baptist, they, they, their whole denomination was based on an understanding of baptism. So Pentecostal, all it means is, the word literally means 50. It's similar to the English word dozen. It's a word that means a quantity. It means 50 uh, because it's 50 days after the Passover. And it just means 50, and so we've got this whole denominational group running around. I'm, pi- I'm 50. That's what, that's what it means. That's what it means. But what they're really saying is uh, our foundational experience has to do with what happened on that day. And so um, here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, so this is 50 days after Jesus was killed, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I want you to know that the Spirit of God will fill a room. He'll fill a house. Uh, People people say sometimes, Pastor, why don't you guys do, why don't you video your sermons? And Number one, we don't video our sermons because we need more of you guys to help do it. Um, just a disclaimer, we need a lot of people to make that happen. But number two, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill TV sets. It's not put your hand on the TV and the, no, the Holy Spirit fills rooms. Have you ever been in a, in a church service when, when the worship begins? Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it feels dead and you're just like, That's not, I'm not feeling it. And then sometimes it's like, whoo, I feel that. Because the Holy Spirit fills rooms. Where they were seated, seat, sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them, or as the Spirit enabled them. They, they began to speak in tongues. And that's really where, where the rub is, isn't it? No, no, nobody's really worried about the idea of let's have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Nobody's bothered with that. Uh, we're all for praying for people and expecting God to heal them. We expect the Holy Spirit to flow through prayer and make a difference. We love it when someone would prophesy or have a divine word. But when we talk about speaking in tongues, we go, ah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's a little different. It is a little different, and I understand that. But understand that if you, if you want to know the trajectory of what God intends the church to look like, look at the origin of the church. And the book of Acts, is, it's, a, it's in the New Testament. It's a book that recounts the first 30 years of the church. 
what the church looked like for the first 30 years. And every single time, over and over again, the people in the early church, as they had an encounter or a response to God, it says they were filled or they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in all of those moments, except for one, it includes both uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy. So the question now is, are you saying I have to speak in tongues? No, I'm not. I'm saying we don't need to create new rules and lines. In the book of Acts, people that had an experience with the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, consistently spoke in tongues or they prophesied. And there was one moment where they didn't. There's only one passage in the New Testament where they didn't do either of those. It's not that they didn't. It just doesn't record what they did. It's in Acts chapter 8. And instead what happens is a sorcerer, so a warlock of the community, sees what's going on and says, whatever is going on here is so powerful, I want to buy it. So it was so motivational, so outward, like it was an obvious demonstration He wanted to pay for it. And the apostles told him, like, if you, literally, they say, if you buy it, you will go to hell. (laughs) Like, that's, if you you try to use this for financial gain, you go to hell. Like, that's, that's that's what happens. Yeah. (laughs) But this is normal in the New Testament church. The, The New Testament church was not marked by intellectualism. And I'm pro- intellectualism. We need people in the, the, the headspace, in the, in the academics that are contending for faith, that are, that are, that are going there. We, we've got to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved. But the New Testament church was not marked by people who had their theology all systematized and had it all figured out. It was marked by power and demonstration of God. It was marked by people that were in the temple and house to house daily, serving each other with gladness and being filled with the power of his spirit, demonstrated through laying out of hands and people recovering sight and people being healed consistently throughout the New Testament. And and this is why the church is blowing up and expanding in places like China. Because in China, even though they had had moments where they've allowed the church in, the government suppresses the church, and and, and people aren't going to create an underground movement for just an intellectual philosophy. But when they've had an encounter with God, they would die for it. I'm saying like the church in Cuba that has finally opened its doors has been alive for years, meeting in garages and in people's living rooms for years, people being persecuted by the government, but they weren't persecuted by the government because they had a different philosophy or political agenda than the government. It was because they saw God heal people, God fill people, God make a movement and an impact in their world. The Christian faith should be experienced. It should be understood. Please do not misunderstand. It should be understood. But it must be experienced. And Paul, um, this, is, this is about 24 years later. The Apostle Paul, after this initial outpouring, 24 years later, the Apostle Paul is in a place called Ephesus. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 19. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, uh, same place that the book of Ephesians was written to. 
And there he made some disciples, and he, or he met some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I, I believe that Paul had cultivated this in his life enough that he could, he could discern that these people needed more in their walk with God. Uh, he, he wasn't saying uh, there are uh, different levels of Christians. There are the ones with it and the ones without it. That's not what he's saying. He's just discerning that there's, there's something that needs some, some encouragement in their walk with God. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They believed. They had faith. They, they believed. He said, did, you, did you receive the Spirit? That, did, and the American church response would be, well, yeah, duh. He's saying there's, there's a different experience he's talking about. Yes, the Spirit's at work when you're saved, but he's talking about something different. He says this, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that, my friend, is where so many of us land. We land in one of two camps, either the camp where that's all we talked about in church. Like, I grew up in, like, crazy Pentecostal church. That's how I grew up. And anybody else? Okay, I got a couple of other weirdos. And so, um, <clears throat> but then there's a lot of other people that when I even talk about this subject, you're thinking, ah. And some of you are like, I've never even heard of this. The problem is pastors, even pastors that have had this experience or believe in it, often don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it because we don't want to share the whole counsel of God. It's because we, we want you to keep coming to church. It says, did you receive? So there's people that are uninformed. There's people that are misinformed. Misinformed, I mean, they've definitely heard about it. They heard a lot about it, and, and they're, they're, they're just going nuts with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul has to correct later in the New Testament. Paul, Paul corrects the church because what happens is everybody in the church, they meet like this, and everybody in the whole room is speaking in tongues. And Paul's like, you guys are scaring everybody off. That's what he says. He's like, don't do this if there's people that don't know Jesus in the room. Like, don't do it. He says, and if you're going to do it, like, like let's, let's have some order, some structure to this thing. Because the, the, it's this vibrant expression of your walk with God that should, my coffee? No, somebody else's coffee. I thought it was mine. <clears throat> Mine's right here. And there's a lot of people that are skeptical or apprehensive about this, this subject. Simply because um, maybe you've seen it misused. Maybe you were taught that it is not real, or maybe you watched uh, a YouTube video from somebody with a strong opinion, and there's a lot of people that are just indifferent, and I think that's, that's where a lot of us land right there. I remember talking with a pastor once in, in Alaska. He had a vibrant, uh, a strong, growing church, and I asked him, I said, where do you guys stand on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he said this, we, we neither forbid nor encourage. And, and I, I get where he's coming at. He's saying, I, I want to create a church where, where people can just kind of believe whatever they want to believe. But here's the thing. The New Testament church did not take that stand. Every single time you see the apostles speaking about the gospel, they include this idea of, let's, let's go back to, you need an encounter with God. They definitely encouraged. And so um, today I'll, I just want to tell you that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. 
what I mean is when, when you've had an encounter with God, like a baptism of the Holy Spirit, you begin to learn what God feels like. Not just what God wrote in his book, but what God feels like. And the more you cultivate, like I, I can just tell you, like through experience, I can walk in a room and I can tell you if that room's off. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going around with some sort of beady eye, like, ah, you know. I'm just saying, I've, I've cultivated this experience in my life just about every day of my life since I was 12 years old. And, and there's this, this, this just knowledge of what God feels like. And I can be in the middle of a conversation and suddenly I'm like, oh, God wants to do something right now. Let's just kind of wait on that and see what happens. Or I'll be in another environment. I'm like, oh, this is not the presence of the Lord. I don't know what I'm dealing with right now, but I need to be aware that there are other agendas at play. It comes upon us. Here's what the, the book of Acts describes it as. It says we are baptized in it, which is the Greek word baptizo. It means completely immersed in it. We are, it says we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit fell on them. The Greek word there, fell, it means like to, um, to embrace, like a, like a parent embracing a child, like, like falling on a child to embrace them. Now, the Holy Spirit will fall on us. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them. It says the Holy Spirit rested upon them. It says they received the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And so, yes, we have faith in Christ, but the New Testament church had an experience with God as well. Had an experience with God. It says it come upon them. In Acts chapter 2, the, the church receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, the, the church is persecuted, and they return back to that encounter with God. In Acts chapter 10, they're filled again. I just want to say, it's not a one-time, one-off experience. It's something that we keep returning to. I had somebody ask me the other day, a couple months ago, they said, how do I encourage myself in the Lord? Like, David encouraged himself in the Lord. How do I encourage my, him, myself in the Lord? I said, well, you, uh, here's two ways that I encourage myself in the Lord. Number one, I turn on worship music. The Holy Spirit fills rooms, right? So you, you can change the atmosphere of your house by simply adjusting the music in your home. I, I'm just telling somebody, like, you can, you can let Disney Plus be the atmosphere in your home, or you can say, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to have that on limit, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some sort of worship music, something that promotes God, and I'm telling you it'll change the atmosphere, if your marriage is struggling, instead of like, like scrolling through all the friends that agree with you and think your husband is terrible, how about, how about finding yourself coming together to pursue the presence of God in a room? So for me, like encouraging myself in the Lord looks like the, the music, the things I allow into my mind, the, I, I allow worship music in. And the second one is this, I pray in tongues. When, I, when I'm really frustrated, if I'm about to have a really hard conversation, if I, if, if I just feel like I've really, really failed, I re feel like I just can't get my head wrapped around a situation, what I do is I get alone, and I just get a hold of God, and I'm speaking in tongues the whole time. All right. I just think it's the best thing in your walk with God. And unfortunately, as the American church, we tiptoe around it so much that we really, we just sell people short on the encounter with God that is, that is the motivation. It is the catalyst for the Chinese 
revivals. It's the catalyst for the Cuban revivals. And we want to be really cautious. It says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He, there's a reason why he's, he's correlating wine with spirit, because it is an experience, somebody. It is an encounter with God. Be filled with the Spirit. And, and unfortunately, in, in America, we, we get really nervous around this subject because we, we saw a YouTube video. Somebody showed us a YouTube video of some crazy church, and they're like blowing on people, and people falling over. And I'm, again, people are very weird. People are weird, but the power of God is not weird. The power of God is transformational. I'm not talking about some sort of weird paranormal head spinning around on the bed. Something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe you can experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not be weird. And I'll also say this. If you feel like you're being a little weird, don't stop. Just cultivate it and learn it. Learn it. This is, this is a normal expression in the New Testament church. In fact, when they were looking for people to wait tables for widows, this was one of their requirements, that they were full of the Spirit. Like, that's, that was just one of the requirements. Like, we should be people with an experience. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And somebody right now would say, Hold on, I received power when I believed. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus has already told them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he circles back around and says, when you get it, you're, when you experience this thing, you're going to have power. I'm just telling somebody, like, there is this boldness that comes over somebody when, they, when they're, they're able to, to enter into that place with God where they have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what, this is what Peter did. The, the Apostle Peter, he was, he, was, um, he was shifty. He was shady. He, he's the one that denied Jesus, denied even knowing or being associated with Jesus. But he has a baptism of the Holy Spirit experience, and he walks out into a crowded street, and he preaches to 3,000 people and says, the Jesus that you crucified, he is now bringing this experience in, and he, he, like you can have this. It's for you and for your children, and to as many people as want it, they can have this experience. It's this Peter that was so afraid to, to do things for God that when he was at the end of his life, said, I want to be, they're going to crucify him. He says, I want to be crucified upside down. Why? Because a boldness came over him. I'm saying there, there's, and not just in the church sphere can you have boldness through the power of the Spirit. Maybe God has called you to be an entrepreneur, but you just feel like you don't have what it takes. I'm telling you, you can cultivate, you can build up your spirit person in this thing called the Holy Spirit and have the boldness to take on the task that God has called you to. The last thing I want to say is this. Maybe I'll have the band come now. But receiving the Holy Spirit 
is a spiritual experience. And this is the catch. Because what we want to do is this. And I, I, I study this word. I'm, I'm in the word. But studying the word of God is not the same thing as experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an experience. Preacher, are you saying you have to speak in tongues to have this experience? No. Again, let me be very clear. In the New Testament, the two main markers are these. People speaking in tongues and people prophesying. I'm not here to measure whether you got it or you don't got it. That's not the goal. The goal is every one of us should have an encounter with God. It's an experience. I, I, I went to the youth camp and they were having this moment of prayer and um, so I, I waded into the kids and was praying for them. Derek's here somewhere. Derek was waiting in there praying for kids. I just loved Derek. So many kids come out of Bible school and they don't know how to pray with people. Come on. Proud of you. Work a pulpit but can't pray for somebody. You know how to pray. I'm praying for these kids. And I get home. I have maybe half a dozen parents come to me and they, and they to me and my wife and they say, hey, I just want to thank you for what you did for my kids while they were there. And I'm like, what do we do? My daughter, my son said you were praying over them, speaking in tongues. And I get what you're saying. I get it. But here, here's the thing, mom and dad. Listen, it's for you to bring the power of God into your own home. It's not for a professional Christian to have it. Like Bronson often operates in prophetic. It's, it's for you to be able to speak to your aunt that's struggling. It's for, it's for you to be able to speak to your coworker that just needs to hear the voice of God for a moment. It's an experience. It's an encounter. And encounters are uncomfortable. You realize that. Like in, in the Bible, anytime somebody encounters God or a theophany, like an expression of God, the angel will have to say something like, do not fear. <laughs> it's okay. Calm down. Relax. Because it's encounters with someone more powerful than you is uncomfortable. I'm from Alaska. And... We, were, we had this youth camp. We had this, this preacher from Stockton, California. He was about this tall, preaching to the youth. And we were up super late at night. It was about 2 in the morning. And he says, I want to see a bear. I was like, let's go see a bear. So I said, here's a gun. Gave him a gun. It, it's 2 in the morning, but just still bright out. You can, see, you can see just fine. It's like an evening, like the evening light. So I hand him a gun, and we drive down to a place called the Russian River. Has anybody ever been to the Russian River? Okay, we got some people. So you know, he's going to see a bear. And <laughs> so uh, when, when you go to the Russian River fishing, you'll be fishing, and there will be a bear like 20 feet from you. And so, so we go down there, and, um, and we, we walk down this, this boardwalk staircase way down to the bottom of the river valley. And, and when you do, the trees are huge, and they, they blot out the sun. The canopy just gets rid of the sun. So we're down there, it's dark, we turn on our headlamps and we start walking down this boardwalk and we come to a corner where we can see the river and, um, and there's a big old boar, a big male bear and he's just eating fish on the, he's probably, we're, we're like at that wall and he's at that wall, just across the, the, 
river from each other. And he's just like, I'm a bear. Look, I'm a bear. Look, look at me. He's, he's, just, he's, doing, he's being a bear. They're, it's just eating fish. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he gets up and he just kind of wanders. Out. That, when bears get really big, their legs bow in. Like, that's how you know he's big is when his legs bow in. And so he's, he, he wanders off in the woods. And so let's, let's see some more. So we start walking down the boardwalk a little farther. And we've got our headlamps on. We come around the corner, and about eight, nine feet in front of us is a wall. Because I've got a headlamp, so it's just a circle. It's all you're seeing. And we see this wall of fur. And then we realize that wall of fur is actually three walls of fur. And, and they're not really walls. They're more like cubs. <laughs> so we see these cubs, and I'm like, oh, this is not good. And so I'm like, turn off your headlamp. Let's back up. Turn off our headlamps and start backing up. And right about that time, Mama realized that we were close to the babies. And she came up out of the river. This is a massive animal. And they can run as fast as a horse. So imagine a quarter horse running through the woods straight at you, full speed. She comes up and she slams her paws on this boardwalk. She's, by this time, maybe 12 feet from us, 12, 15 feet on the boardwalk, she, God, God, just slamming the boardwalk and her, her mouth is And right about that time, my friend from Stockton had the pistol and he starts running like this. And I, I'm like, that's not how you shoot a bear. Um, that, that's how you shoot your friend. Here's the deal. I was born and raised up there. I mean, the first time my, my brother-in-law moved came up to visit. We had a bear encounter. Like, like I've, I've seen a lot of those moments. But every single time, I don't care what anybody tells you, every single time you get close to an animal that is that big and that powerful, you get, you feel small. Like there's just something inside of you that just feels, oh, I'm in the presence of something strong right now. And I want to tell you, in your walk with God, it is okay to have an encounter with God. Understand, you will say, I'm in the presence of someone so much bigger than me right now. Someone with so much power right now. And that's normal. It's healthy. And it's good. Guys, this is foundational to who I am as a pastor. And I don't want our church to be spirit-filled just because the pastor preaches loud. I want to be spirit-filled because the moms pray, pray over their kids and, and the dads prophesy into their daughters' lives. And people come together and, and they live, live the spirit life that we see in the New Testament. Like, my brother over here is suffering in pain. I, we're going to pray for you in a minute. That's the kind of church I'm talking about. They say as a pastor, rule number one is make sure it's the kind of church you want to pastor. Make, it, make sure it's the church you want to attend as a pastor. But let me just tell you who I am. My family has a very strong sense of identity. It's a little unusual in our culture. Most, we have a strong sense of who we are. Our family moved to Kimberly, Idaho in the 30s, and the 30s were hard. They were hard for everybody. They were especially hard for people trying to start a new life out west. Our family had this little shack. It's still there today. 
it's wallpapered with newspaper or insulated with newspaper and it's, it's wallpapered like pink little thing they loved the Lord but they were just they tried to be farmers and farming didn't work so they became gravel people and in 1901 so a little earlier in 1901 America had its first real Revival of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it had happened throughout history before then. In fact, just about 30 years earlier in England was what was called the Kinswick uh, Revival. Was, um, they, they had experienced the same sort of movement of God, God's power moving in lives. But in America in 1901 in, in Topeka, Kansas, there was a small Bible school and they, they had they'd asked the students, would you just look at like what what is the expression of what happens when somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the students come back and they said well it looks like it's they speak in tongues or they prophesy like that seems pretty normal not not mandatory but definitely normal and they began praying just a few handful of kids in a small Bible school began praying and it was a young girl like in her teenage years this young girl receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit began speaking in tongues I think it's just that sounds very much like God doesn't it fill a young girl in a culture that is still dominated by, by men preachers. It was girls that saw him first at the cross, or saw him first at the tomb. And that experience overflowed, and all, all the people in the Bible school experienced it, and then they, this movement of, I can, I can have an encounter with God, spread it down to Dallas, Texas, and people started experiencing this and then it spread over into LA and in LA there was this big revival of people experiencing an encounter with God and after that had been going on for a while a couple a couple of missionaries were bringing just that encounter with God to the northwest and as they came through Kimberly Idaho where my family's from they, they needed a place to stay and they stayed in the cabin they stayed in the house the shack whatever you want to call it and my great-grandpa and my great-grandma, they, they were just simple people. But when this guy said, you, you can have an experience with God, they began praying, and God filled them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just for them. Like, their kids experienced it, and their grandkids experienced it. And it was like this, and it was, it was incredible. Like, my, my great-grandma, like, she was a, she became this praying woman. She would, she would like, anytime she got excited, she'd start speaking in tongues. And so she, she, there's like stories of her like putting on a, putting on a new dress. It was beautiful. She'd be like speaking, like, ah, speaking in tongues. Put on, the, maybe she a little weird. She'd put on the new dress, like, ah, and then it doesn't fit. She'd be like, ah, oh, and she'd cuss, you know? Like, <laughs> so you're like speaking tongues and cuss a little bit. Uh, I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so like, I just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just saying you can have an experience with God. You can have the same expression of God you feel in a powerful worship service in your car on a bad day at work. And it comes from being open to an experience with him, an encounter with him. Would you stand with me all across the room? It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, and Peter said to them, this is the end of Peter's the first message of the church. This is his altar call. This is how he's closing the message. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I'm telling you today, it's for you. It's not for the first apostles. It's not for the 12. It's for everyone that God calls. If God's called you, it's for you. There's a fresh moment waiting for you. And you just cultivate it. You just get used to it. For me, what that looks like is I speak in tongues just about every day. I have since I was 12 years old. Sometimes I'll fill a prophetic word, but I'm not super prophetic. There's other people, I just, I'm like, man, I wish I could just give a word like that. That'd be amazing. But for me, what I find is I just, I cultivate this thing in my life. It's powerful. So for, I'm just going to tell you from my experience. If you want to receive the Spirit, you do the talking, God does the filling. you got to pray out loud. I'm talking about tongues. I'm, you don't ha- I'm not saying you have to speak in tongues, for those of you that are hearing that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you want it, you're going to have to speak out loud. You're going to have to pray out loud. And you're going to have to be willing to potentially say something that doesn't sound right. So for me, what that looks like is, I was 12 years old. I'm wrapping it up, I know. I was, no, I wasn't even 12 years old. I was younger than that. I was praying in a, in a church. I was right about over here somewhere. I was right beside you, Twyla. I was praying, and my, my older sister, Ellen, she spoke a couple weeks ago. She was with me. And um, I'm a little guy. I'm just, I'm praying and I had an active imagination, still do. And as I'm praying, my eyes are closed, and I'm just pursuing, I want more of God, it's just, I want God. And as I'm praying, in my mind, I see this lowercase um, letter A from a typewriter font. You know the old typewriter font? That's, in my mind, that's what I see. And in my mind, it's like floating down like this slowly. No one else sees this, it's just literally in the kid's mind, kid's mind here comes down, it's floating, and I'm praying, I feel the presence of God, and my sister says, Roger, it's right on the tip of your tongue, say it, because I thought I was going to have like this whole sentence I'm supposed to say, I'm going to, I'm going to know a new dialect or something, and so I just said that, I said, I pronounced the letter A, that's all I did, and as soon as that, uh, that came out, it was like, it was like warm oil went over my whole body and it's like this fountain came out from inside. And it has been the most incredible centering place in my walk with God ever since. So I want to encourage you. It doesn't have to be fanatical. It doesn't have to be intense. In fact, the Bible says it is a refreshing. The church gets it wrong when we say it's got to be That's not it. It's refreshing. Be open to it. Maybe you feel like as you're praying, you feel like the presence of God is on you. You're supposed to say a syllable. Try it. And you say, that wasn't it. Then just stop. But be open to it. Or maybe when you're praying, you just feel like, oh, I have a word from God for that person. Then say it. I've seen people go down in baptism and come up out of baptism saying, thus says the Lord. Ba, 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 ba. That's prophecy. That should be normal. 
church. All right. Do you, are you guys good with that? give you a moment. We're just going to repent and believe. This is just for everybody right now. Maybe for some of you, this will be the first time you've done it in a long time or ever. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to turn from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that we know don't please God. And then we're going to place our faith back in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the source of hope. So join me in a prayer like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I want you to cleanse my life. God, I want to please you. I don't look to another. I want you in my life. So right now I'm turning away from those things, and I'm turning to you. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was buried for three days, and that he rose again with all power. Right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in him alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Here's, I got a question for you. Maybe you're in the room, and for you, that's the first time you ever prayed a prayer like that. Maybe first time in a long time. If that was you and you meant it, would you put your hand up so I can see who I'm talking to? Come on, I see some hands. Come on, Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. And there's more. There's more. During this next time of worship, I just want you to respond to the Lord. Raise your hands, pursue him, pray out loud. If you feel like I should speak and do it. I would say this, err on the side of faith. I, I would rather be known for erring on the side of faith and, and having to apologize than, than, never, than never stepping out. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.